Today on Atomic Moms, we've got Alicia Tamburi, clinical hypnotherapist and doula to the stars like Amy Adams and Jessica Alba. She talks to us about the power of what we say to ourselves and important ways of connecting with your child. Hey guys, it's Atomic Moms here. I've got the beautiful Bianca Kylik sitting across from me. Hello. Hello. It makes me laugh so much how much we dance when that music comes on. <laughs> we dance so hard. I'm always out of breath. I feel like every time we do it, it's it's like I get excited again about the fact that we're doing a podcast. Like it's just like nobody's in here telling us what to do. It's just us. We're super spazzes. <laughs> no, I love it. Um, I'm so excited about today. I know you are. You've been I, talking about it a lot. I am so excited. When we first started talking about doing a podcast, um, the first person I thought of uh, to interview was Alicia Tambury. She was our hypnobirthing coach. Um, we did, she has a four week class, and we did two classes, and then my daughter was born early. Oh my so goodness. The other two. But she did, she called us twice when we were in the hospital to help out. So and most important for me was about two months after Sabrina was born, I was. I was a goner. I was so exhausted. I was so stressed out. I was had so much anxiety. And I called her and I was like, can we please do a private session, please? And she was so kind and amazing. And I felt better just being on the phone with her. And she said, help is not a luxury. So I finally got it together and started interviewing people to help. Um, with Sabrina and I went to her house and we did a two-hour session and I still listen to the tape at least four times a week. That's awesome. And it's changed so much for me. It's so important for people to find something that speaks to them in that way um, and I think feel like that's not something that's emphasized enough in today's society and specifically in the United States. I feel like we are um, at a loss to, you know, I I always am reminded of it whenever I talk to my mom about um, therapy and she'll say, you know, well, it's, it's so wonderful. You have that luxury. And it's just like what you were just saying about help not being a luxury Um, help for our mental and physical well-being is not a, a luxury either. It's, it's, something that is a must. And, um, you know, I loved our previous guest on another podcast. My trainer, Steve Zim, was saying how, you know, on the airplane that they tell you to put the oxygen mask on yourself first and then your child. And we're no good to our children if we don't take care of ourselves first, if we're not the best possible person that we can be. Um, and I, I hope that, you know, if if our podcast accomplishes one thing for people, it's to, to know that it's okay. I, I feel like a lot of people have a stigma about asking for help. Um, and specifically help when it, it's like we feel selfish, don't you mm-hmm. think? Um, we should be able to do it on our own. And, and yeah, I don't know. I get tongue tied about it because it's like, it, it was a, a hard, hard lesson for me to learn to like, you know, open up the doors of my home and let someone in and help, you know, to help with my child. Can you talk specifically a little bit about like maybe what you were feeling before you asked for help? I mean, yeah. I had never been a boss before. So I had, I had a hard time with that and I felt like, I had a really long list of women who took care of their children on their own 100%. And I 
had a ton of anxiety about that, just letting someone in and, and to help with my child and how to tell them what to do. And I had done it all myself and, and that was going well, but I was really tired and I needed to be able to go for a walk by myself. Yeah. And I needed, um, I also needed a little bit of company in the home because my husband was working like, you know, 16 hour days kind of thing. And so it was really nice having someone show up. I was just thinking about this the other day because, um, I had a little, uh, I had a little, we we called it girls day, but, um, my dear friend, Jen, who's helping us out right now before I go back to work, um, we went on, like we went and ran some errands together and it was my friend, Jen and Magnolia and myself. And I thought it's so nice just to have someone there, you know, to, to when your husband can't be there or, you know, if you're a single mom and, um, you're trying to do this on your own. Like it just, it, it felt so nice to have someone like when Magnolia was screaming in the back of the car, it was like, even if that's just for a day or an hour or even 20 minutes, you know, to have someone there to kind of bear witness to the struggle. Yeah, Cause What's, motherhood can be really isolating, really isolating. And you're, you're suddenly a different person in a heartbeat. You're a different person. You know, you are, Oh God, I read this great, um, blog post about it and it made me cry and we'll have to find it and, and maybe find out who wrote it and have them on the show mm-hmm. because it was ha- it was about how never again you are never alone again mm-hmm. and while there's a beauty about that there's a beauty in the sense of wow I'm forever there's also a terror mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I'm never alone again you can feel isolated and suffocated at the same time at the same time <laughs> and and the fact that no matter where you go it's so crazy Mike and I went on our our first getaway um Magnolia uh, actually the week that Magnolia turned six months did we talk about this yet? How we went no. to, we were supposed to go to Mexico and we missed the flight? No, we have not <laughs> talked about it. And I, I think, I think it was on purpose. I think, I think it was. I wasn't going to tell you that because I thought that might be insulting. Oh, it no. definitely seemed on a subconscious level that you, oh, weren't, uh, you weren't ready to leave the country. I wasn't ready to leave the country. And I and I was very – and in fact, the whole vacation ended up being so much more relaxing because I was a two-hour drive away. So we missed our flight. I'm a late person by nature, but I was really late that day and, and we missed our flight. And I bawled for 20 minutes outside of the airport until I was like, all right, time to you know have a new attitude about this. And so we drove to Laguna Beach and we got a hotel. And we, um, you know, we had a fantastic weekend. We, and in, in some ways we were supposed to go to my friend's 40th birthday. In some ways it was better because I think we would have felt like we had to be a part of the group. And this way we just laid in bed, watched movies and ordered room service. And it was so relaxing. And my mom and my sister who were caring for Magnolia felt better because I was a two hour drive away. Mm-hmm. I felt better because I was a two hour drive away. Um, but, um, I totally lost the point of where I was taking this <laughs> right now. I was saying that, uh, it's a great story. I know. And I know there had some point for, you know, where it was going to end up, but essentially, um, we was talking about leaving, going away from your kid. Anyway, it'll come back to me at it'll some point, back. probably in the middle of our guests. Uh, for sure. We'll be like, wait, I got it. Um, <laughs> talking. you know, but when, here's the really fast. Yeah. The coolest thing. So when I told my family that we were going to do hypnobirthing classes, you know, they just thought like, Ooh, voodoo kind of thing. And then when I, you know, when I did my private session with Alicia two months after Sabrina was born, um, I didn't know what to expect for, from a private session. Cause obviously it wasn't going to be about birthing and it w- here's what was so amazing about it. It's Alicia gave me homework to do before I came in and it was, I needed to list my fears I needed to, to list what I was grateful for in my life. 
and I needed to list what I would like to have in my life, what I would like to um, bring into my life. And in those things, I needed to write out in present tense as though they've already they've already happened. Right. And that homework was so powerful to actually have to write down what my fears were. Mm. I mean, there's a really long list. And to write down what I was grateful for, those the images of what I'm grateful for every day I bring up. And and she used it in my tape. And it it really is special to take the time. And this is something that any anyone can do, at least this part of the homework, is write down like what do you what do you really want to bring into your life? I mean, yeah. and I have never you know, it's an obvious thing to do, but it does take guts because I've asked other people in my life to try it. And there's a million reasons they don't have time to sit down and write what they're grateful for. Well, and the main reason, the real reason being resistance, yeah, resistance, fear. fear to, to, I mean, it's, we're so closed down We're I mean, we, we come into this world so wide awake. And I think through the course of our childhood, we're all kind of shut down um, to the point when we're young adults, we don't even remember, we don't even remember our true purpose. We don't even remember what we came here to do and to be. And I think that's why so many of us spend such a large part of our adulthood searching and wondering and looking. And, um, I heard a a friend of mine said the most amazing thing. They said, there's three questions that every human should ask themselves. And that is, what are you running from? What are you running to and why? And I think that if you really ask yourself those questions and sit with it, that that is the answer to your life, to your purpose, to your to the reasons why you do things the way you do them. Um, and uh, and that's why I'm so excited for us to have this podcast, because we get to have guests like Alicia come in and, and you know, hopefully we reach somebody who didn't think about these things for themselves that didn't think about, you know, I think most parents are, are so weary and tired at the end of the day. And we're, you know, you're just doing it by rotes. Like you're mm-hmm. waking up and you're feeding the kids and you're getting everyone to school and you're going to work. And it becomes that, you know, in, in, um, Buddhism, they call it, uh, uh, samsara, which is the hamster wheel. You're just going, 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 but it's, you're not getting anywhere. And, um, you know, hopefully I think, maybe we give people a little bit of a breath to sit and think about, you know, it doesn't have to be like that. It doesn't have to feel that way. And in fact, being a parent and living this new part of your life, I think can, can be an awakening to a whole, even more spectacular way of living. Absolutely. I mean, I've, I mean, it's changed me so much. Just, I never thought that I would do hypnotherapy um, or it just wasn't on my radar until I was pregnant and I, I wanted to have a natural birth if I could. And my OBGYN, Dr. Kumetz, said, I said, you know, if I was going to try, what should I do? And she goes, you know, they're not my shortest births, but my absolute favorite births are with hypnobirthing and she gave me Alicia's information. Oh, that's awesome. I was just going to ask you how you ended and, up. And that seed in the tape that I play, it's when, you know, Sabrina's up in the middle of the night and I have to go back to sleep and my mind is running. I will play that tape. My husband has heard this tape 5,000 times because I just play it on my iPhone next to the bedstand, And it really helps. Or if I only have 30 minutes 
and for a nap to recharge or in those early days when you'd have 30 minutes and I know I wouldn't be able to fall asleep in that time. Yeah. If I listened to the tape, I would get out of bed and I would be so much less angry. It was like pressing like a restart button. Well, why don't we bring our beautiful guest I in? Okay, we'll Do take it. a break. We'll be back. Hi, we're back now with Alicia Tamburi. She is a clinical hypnotherapist, a counselor, an ordained minister. She was also Jessica Alba and Amy Adams' doula, and she has taught hypnobirthing to many special people, most importantly me, um, but also <laughs> Melissa Joan Hart, Bridget Fonda, Alanis Morissette, Emily Deschanel, like it goes on and on and on. Thank you so much for we coming. We are so excited to have you here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> we are, um, we, you know, uh, Ellie said in the very beginning, one of the um, main reasons that we were really looking forward to starting this podcast is because j selfishly, we wanted to have people in to, to meet and to speak with. And so I, from the very beginning, as she said, you know, she's been talking about having you in here. So um, I, probably the best place to start is for those, those people who have never heard of uh, hypnotherapy or, or hypnobirthing or anything. Could you give, is there a, a kind of nuts and bolts? Yes. Okay. Great question. Hypnobirthing is a complete childbirth education course. And it's the method to ease fear. Fear creates tension. Tension creates pain. So we want to be able to just relax and let the body do what nature intended it to do and what the baby can do. So body and baby knows what to do. It's the conscious mind that gets in the way. What if, the could have, the would have, the should have, the fear, the tension. So it's um, a course, four to five weeks, sometimes six weeks, depending. Sometimes I'm doing um, crash courses right now for some couples whose days, like any minute. Um, so they get CDs that they listen to, that they download onto their iDevices. I the husbands learn how to put the moms into hypnosis, which is really fun, which is a deep, relaxed state. Um, we go over the birth plan, stages of labor, what to do when labor comes on, what if we need to bring on labor sooner. So it is a, a complete 100% total childbirth education course for the parents to be also about being calmer parents mm. and also communicating with the baby in utero because the baby's listening. So half of the class is about babies inside. And then I also address when babies are on the outside, the importance of kindness and love and nurturing and respect. And, um, for the dads to get to the belly and really communicate on a regular basis to the babies. If the mom's having a hard day to let the baby know, I love you and it's not about you in utero. And of course, to continue that on the outside. So there's a lot of information. It's like 12 hours. And um, then parents have home fun. So each week they go home and they practice together. So it's a bonding of mother, father, and baby. So it's it's not homework. It's home fun. So they and the home fun was so useful for us because it really it gave us the opportunity to sort of like duke it out at home before the birth. Where you know, Alicia gave us a transcript for the husbands to read um, the rainbow relaxation and my husband was doing it but he did it with like this Tom, Tom Brokaw voice 
and it wasn't relaxing at all. And then he just, and I said, you know, maybe a little more gently, which made him angrier. And then he sounded like Peter Jennings. And then I said, you know, you know, maybe more like Alicia. And then we got in a big argument about it where he's like, I don't, you know, you're not a good director. Da, da, da. But he, because because it took a little time because he wasn't used to speaking to me in such like a gentle soft way he's used to being like the you know a man man. and to be to learn how to be my partner in that way um, was everything for our birth because because we were able to do those rehearsals or practice or, or explore that side of our relationship he was so there for the birth and so gentle and calm and such a great container for me because of what you introduced. Well, I always tell the moms they need to cut the dads a lot of slack because they've never done this before. And so very lovingly to say, honey, could you please read it like this or do it like that? And um, so I find the dads that are in hypnobirthing are really connected to their wives and the babies, but not as much because they're not feeling the baby like the moms are living inside of them. So I have them really start connecting and realizing that the baby loves dad's voice and touch. So the home fun, uh, again, the, I always say moms, give give him a lot of slack. Mm-hmm. She is the director because she knows what she's feeling. So I just say very lovingly, kindly, tell him what you'd like. And he becomes the knight in shining armor. He really comes through at a birth, which is very exciting. And he did. He was in the tub with me, and he was on the bed behind me when I was pushing. (laughs) He was so beautiful. And I think it's a good rule in life for women to cut their, their hubbies a little slack. Because I do think that men really for the most part want to be there for us um but they don't know what to do and they're they're clueless when it kind of comes to this i mean i feel like my husband even in just our basic birthing classes was like i'm ashamed at how little i know even just about the basic anatomy of what happens during the birth um so you know i think it's such a good oh for sure yeah and, and don't i he um I could have been Mother Teresa. I could have been Alicia. And, and there still would have been that resistance <laughs> yes. for a second. I said it as gently as I could. And, you know, and then I heard him. And then um, and then he crawled back in bed and we did it again. And it was great. I fell yeah. asleep. So. so the dads get very specific, simple tools. Yeah. And they can even read it right off a page. I always say to the dads, you don't have to memorize anything. You can read everything off a page. So the simpler, the better, because if things get too complex, no one's going to remember them in labor. So they get everything is condensed onto a one sheet. It's called the Birth Companion's Guide, and they can read it right off the page. Alicia, how did you start doing this? I mean, what led you to this work? What was it that brought you in? What I had been doing for many years was clinical hypnotherapy. So I would see people. I'm also a counselor and domestic violence counselor as well. And um, I would see women on their own when they were pregnant to deal with their fears and their issues and not as a couple. And uh, I'm a member of the National Guild of Hypnotists and they would have workshops from time to time. And I would go to a couple and they were uh, were good. And then I went to one that was about birthing. And it was the most amazing revelation. I was so, not revelation, it's everything I believed in. Mm. And the teacher that was giving that lecture um, 
I went up to her after and I asked who her mentor was and it was one of my mentors. And I said, sign me up. When, when is the next one? Because at that point, hypnobirthing was not known at all. Almost nobody knew what it was. So I took the training and um, became certified and felt passionate. I felt like I found you know, part of hypnotherapy because I've been working with men, women, children, all different issues over the years. And now to find something, a course that I thought was flawless and came with book and and different, four different hypnosis tracks. So there's nothing I felt the need to make my own or to change other than my own personality and humor and, and little anecdotes that I can share from births or my own children and grandchildren. So it just became a passion to teach hypnobirthing was just a natural progression from just having the moms come in and moms, dads and babies in utero in my classes. So it's very exciting. I love this quote from your website. Suffering is not a fact, but in our perception of that fact. And I I just think that's so, could you talk a little bit about, about that? I would love to, because that's a huge part of my life. Um, I'm a oneness awakening trainer. I go to India every two years. And the training in India, I had no idea what it was really going to be and what I was going to be put through to release my own stuff. Because, of course, I wrote down, you know, I'd I'd like to save the world, like working all those (laughs) things. But saving the world means having to deal with our own stuff and purge that and release that. But I also had no idea that in India, that the first time that I went, the biggest things are spirituality and family. And so after my first trip to India, and I don't remember how um, old my grandson was, my, my first grandson, but I saw him whenever they needed me to babysit. But I got a message that I was supposed to be part of his spiritual development and growth. And so when I came back from India, I would have him every other weekend and I would start to take him to self-realization fellowship and he would learn to meditate at Sunday school and we'd have so much fun together. And then there was also a webcast out of India with my teacher, Sri Bhagwan, and he would watch it too. Jima, let's do the webcast. So it was 15 minutes out of India and so he would be on one computer, I'd be on the other and we would meditate. And so this bond the spiritual bond that I had with him was so profound. And I learned that from the Oneness University, which is a huge part of my life, it changed me as a human being, how I viewed the world, babies, birth, and then we learn an energy transmission called Diksha. And I use that during labor on the mom's bellies. And for all my hypnotherapy clients, that's how I put them into hypnosis, or they actually put themselves, meaning I put my hand on the top of their head to send the energy transmission down. And so it's just a very calming, again, simple and beautiful that is there for everyone. It's not a religion or a practice that you have to follow, be any religion or no religion. So that quote is actually from Sri Bhagwan out of India. Oh, wow. Wow. I, it's, um, I think, you know, hypnosis itself is... For some people who have, you know, I'm imagining there are all walks of life that listen to our podcast and people who are that's way too out of left field for them. And and some people who have probably experienced it and and are are using hypnosis as therapy or, you know, a daily um, daily system for themselves to to get through whatever, you know, they're going through. But um, what would you say to somebody who it's just 
that it seems like, you know, an alien concept. And that is for a lot of people. Yeah. Because they don't realize that they're in hypnosis so much of their lives and they're hypnotizing themselves with their own self-talk, programming themselves the way we talk to ourselves. I'm not good enough. I'm not this enough. So um, every morning when we wake up, we're in a light state of hypnosis. Every night before we fall asleep, there's the waking state, hypnotic state, and night-night. So we go into it twice a day, every day, watching a good movie, reading a good book, being at the beach, watching the ocean waves. If we're at a job we love, we're in the hypnotic state, focus awareness. If we're at a job we're bored at, we check out and go into an altered state again. So we're in it constantly, and it brings us more presence. So right now, for those of you who are listening and all of us that are talking, we're in the conscious mind, analytical, judgmental, critical of ourselves and others. The subconscious mind is about a three-year-old, just absorbs information, taking in the data. So it's nothing woo-woo or mysterious. It's just that part of our mind that's zillions of times more powerful than the conscious mind. Our behavior lies in the subconscious mind, and that's why hypnosis works so well. And hospitals are really, you know, grabbing onto this. Uh, Stanford Hospital, Cleveland Clinic, Mount Sinai Medical Center, Beth Israel Medical Center in New York, they're all using hypnosis now. And they're using it for pain management, with surgery, they're using it for faster recovery. I mean, doctors, a lot of doctors are getting on board with it. Just a little bit about using it in hospitals, there are some people that are actually allergic to anesthesia and the surgeons will use hypnosis for surgery. And it's really fascinating and phenomenal. Like that's it? No anesthesia? because they could die from the anesthesia. So there's many surgeons now that are trained in hypnosis where they say, I've worked with a lot of patients with cancer and other issues as well to prepare for surgery. Um, But these surgeons will actually use it with no medication. And then they're finding since there's no side effects, they will also sometimes use it for their patients that would like to have no medication as well. I I am blown away. I mean, I know that we don't even scratch the surface of what our brains are capable of. Um, And it's it's exciting to see how much... Uh, more open people are becoming to to learning different ways of coping with, uh, you know, I, I guess it seems like Eastern medicine has kind of been embracing that side of it more than Western. Um, but that's that blows my mind that people will have surgery with no anesthesia, just hypnosis. Well, the, they don't have an option. So yeah. it's the same with, I would say, if we have a choice between pain we're endorphins and feeling good. I think we're all going to take the endorphins and feeling good. Yeah. So again, depending what we focus on. So if we focus on tension and pain, that's probably what we'll get. If we focus on feeling good, that's probably what we'll get. This is, I printed this list out from your website. I think this is fascinating as well is, uh, these are the following, um, are some of the concerns hypnotherapy can help you overcome. And, uh, listeners can't see this, but I mean, it's a full page of, Abandonment, addictions, anxiety, birthing, body image, confidence, uh, dental anxiety, depression, domestic violence. I mean, it goes on and on. I'm not even out of the E's or F's yet. Um, And I uh, and there are no side effects, no negative side effects. Yeah. And do you feel that 
that there may have been some taboo about hypnosis as a form of therapy simply because we look at it as a form of entertainment, you know, that you go to see these shows where it's like, let's get everyone up on the stage. And sometimes, you know, stage shows are a completely different form of hypnotherapy. But is it? It meaning it's still hypnosis and those people volunteered to have a good time. Yeah. So, but it has put a taboo somewhat for some people if they don't really know what it is. Most of my referrals now are from medical doctors and some of them come in for their own personal sessions to deal with whatever issues they may have. So I love when MDs come for hypnotherapy. And there's also um, an OBGYN, OBGYN who is also an oncologist and we would work together with cancer patients and her um, pregnant patients as well as a team. So I love working with doctors and midwives and nurses and psychiatrists as a team together. So um, it, it became part of the AMA or it was acknowledged I think in the early 50s or late 40s as part of medicine that it could be used for medicine and I'd seen some films um, at Cedars that were for the doctors the medical staff and I was invited to come it was in black and white and it showed two surgeries with no anesthesia and one was um, I don't know if it was something with the throat and um, so the surgeon asked the woman if she wanted to put herself into hypnosis or if she wanted him to do it and she put herself in and then it showed the surgery and people the doctors were a lot of them were looking away I was in awe and I was loving it <laughs> and then it showed her right after the surgery getting up and getting into the wheelchair oh and being able to talk and had no pain after so th I'm sure there were quite a few sessions that were done because for surgery we need somebody in a very deep state right. I'm sure her right. doctor worked with her a lot yeah. It was fascinating to I, see. I would feel like I would be, I would get so nervous that I would get in my own head, you know, because like when you go in to do something, I mean, I'm sure there's, it's, you've had practice and you've been working on this. It's not something you just decide like, oh, hey, tomorrow I'm having surgery. I think I'll try hypnotherapy right. in place of anesthesia. But um, her doctor did it, her surgeon did it with her. My dentist actually used to use hypnosis on his patients. So the reason he doesn't do it now is because it takes a little more time. It's easier to give the injection of the epinephrine or the Novocaine. So if there's someone with fear dental anxiety, he sends them to me. I love so, that. Can I share something really embarrassing? Of course. Um, <laughs> I recently got a bikini wax, and I actually told them to wait a second, and I got my iPhone out, and I put on my headphones, and I listened to my the beginning of my tape with Alicia. And did it help? It, yeah. It oh my really God, helped. that's amazing. Because the first 10 minutes are all relaxation. And so it really, really helped. I mean, I still was squirming a little bit, but I, it, it actually, it did help because it gave me something to focus on other than the pain or trying to control, like, can stop the pain. You yeah. know, it was like, okay, if I just listen to Alicia's voice, like, you know give me that and it's so beautiful too because you have a relationship with her and so that you already have that very strong connection of this soothing person and so it's like then you have yeah. that on top of so thank you for getting me for my bikini wax <laughs> you're welcome what about fear uh, with you know a lot of people would say i i don't want to give up that the control 
of if I go, if I have a session of hypnotherapy, I'm a, I don't want to give up the control. What are they going to program my mind with? This is scary, freaky stuff. Yeah. What? Well, all hypnosis is self. And what I always say is when you let go, you gain control. Because if we hold on to something so tightly, we're tense and we're not feeling so good. But when we let go, it's kind of like going upstream with the river. We flow downstream with the river. We're floating and it feels so nice. So the power is within the person's mind and their body. It's entirely up to them. And it's, it's all hypnosis is self-hypnosis. I'm just the guide. Mm-hmm. So it's all them. Plus, yeah. I'm recording the session. Once we start, I hit play. And so everything's being recorded, except for regression work. Regression goes into whatever incidents or incidences have taken place that have created the trauma or the stress or the fear. And that I don't record unless somebody feels the need to remember what happened. If they didn't know what happened. And I have recorded a few of those, not too many. But if someone requested, I would say we're a team and they know themselves better than I do. So we work together as a team. I have them sign a paper as co-therapist so that we can work together. And what's going to go into their mind is what they've already given me. And I take a lot of notes during the session. And if I'm not sure if I worded it correctly, I'll I'll repeat it back. I just worked with a lovely little nine-year-old and I didn't quite understand the the football game that he was playing. So I said, did I get this right? Or could, could you give me the right words? And I wrote those down. And during the session, um, I wasn't sure. And I said, and you know the right words. So anything that I said, you can redo and re-see and imagine that you're on the football field and you're playing it the way that's the right way to play it. So you can even override what I'm saying as well. But they're all positive suggestions that the person already gave me ahead of time and we're talking about during the session. And I also say all the sessions that are right for you are permanently embedded in your conscious and subconscious mind. The others that you don't need, you can let go of. It's so it's uh, remarkable, really. I mean, it, I, I'm talking to you and hearing about all of the possibilities and, and therapies and, and it's just... Um, I feel like we've had a way of thinking about things that has been really closed minded. I mean, even just talk therapy to me, I I have done tons of therapy Um, and, you know, more so. And I feel like in the last couple of years when I've opened my mind to include other ways of getting to the, to the bottom of, you know, what I went through as a child or whatnot, um, you know, I realized like just talking about it isn't really getting anywhere. And one thing that I would love to talk to you about, um, because I witnessed it or experienced it myself is that, uh, after our birth, uh, my husband who's had a, a lot of problems with depression, he's in recovery. Um, he had postpartum depression. I did not. He did because it engaged and brought up things that had happened to him in his childhood. And it was, I mean, it was terrifying at the time because I was like, where did the man I married and this (laughs) father of my child go? But it also was so interesting because, um, I think for a lot of people, what they don't realize is being a parent does bring up a lot of those old patterns, things that they didn't even know. Do you see 
a, a lot of that in your work? Absolutely. Yeah. It also happens in the pregnancy as getting ready to be parents because labor is very vulnerable. So in one of the classes, the moms write out all their stresses, fears, and concerns. Then the dads-to-be do the same thing. They do it separately. Then once the lists are done, I have them sit together at home as a couple and see what issues they can resolve. What's left over, they bring into class, and we do a hypnosis process called the fear release. So that way they I like can... like the sound of that. Yes. And then when they come in for a session, we do the counseling part, which is what you were saying is people go every week for 50 minutes and talk about what's wrong. Well, I want to know what's wrong, and then I want to know what they prefer. What state would they prefer? Or how could we do this in daily life on the conscious level? So after we've talked about the issues, the problems, and we had our talk time, then we go into the hypno room where they can really get comfy and cozy. And then I record their hypnotherapy session of reprogramming the neuropathways and the brain waves, body, mind, spirit, it's all under one roof, and give them their recording so they can put it on their iDevice and listen to it every day because we need repetition. So for 30 days straight, they're going to listen to the same session. Sometimes people will listen to it for years until they got their results. And um, it's some people get them without even listening to a recording. But most of us need the repetition. Right. I also teach them self-hypnosis so they can program themselves and watch their self-talk because we're programming ourselves all day long. I say become the thought police. <sighs> If there's a thought that doesn't serve you well, notice it. Don't push it away. Notice it. Then you can erase it or delete it and then replace it. Or you can notice it and feel it and feel it. And if this is in privacy where you can cry, scream, get mad and release it to get to the other side because we tend to suppress or turn on the TV or get on the phone or the computer or text or do something to Go not. Go to the pantry. <laughs> yes, the chocolate. Social media sure hasn't helped that at all because I feel like now you know it used to be if you're at home you can zone out watching TV or whatnot but now everyone has one of these little guys little phone in their hand you can be standing in line you can check I mean, you can check out anywhere you want you can just turn off and, and not deal with whatever's going on. You can on. check out at the checkout. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of talking to the people online. It's so, so true. What what happened? Do you can you talk about what actually occurs? Um, I'm trying to think the best way to, to put this. When when we're kids or or even adults and something happens to us that is a negative or a um, we're abused or or something traumatic happens, um, it does it just not process correctly in our brain or what is it what happens why why does something get trapped there why is there something that comes you understand what i'm saying yes um unfortunately it does generally get trapped there and can show up as depression bulimia um insomnia headaches fears phobias that's where they started usually in childhood because i would say this little person can't get in the car and drive away to someone else's home so the parents are the biggest influence on the little ones and their word becomes the truth. If someone says, you know, you're really stupid and no one's stupid. And uh, if they hear this a few times, they're going to start to think they're really stupid or you can't do anything right or you're always whatever it is, whatever negative words. So the words that parents say to their little ones, babe in utero, newborn babies, all the way up until forever. Those words, even as adult children, still need to hear love and compassion from the parents because the parents are the number one most important 
people in their lives and almost all our issues were from parents. Sometimes it could be a teacher or another relative or someone else that was influential, but they are tremendously impactful. There's a wonderful book called The Five Agreements. The Four Agreements is probably well known, but The Five Agreements talk about the imprinting that is done on us as children. And so how do we get rid of that? How do we release it and change it? One is with the repetition of listening to the hypnotherapy session of the the change that someone would like into the subconscious mind. The other is the regression of going into the issues, the times when this actually happened to the child or the adult or the person and be able in that state to say the things to the perpetrator or whoever or whatever situation it was that they couldn't do at the time because maybe they would get beaten or molested or whatever it was. They had to shrink and get smaller and and they couldn't defend themselves. So in regression, they get their power back and they get stronger and they're able to do all the things they wish they could have done as a child but weren't able to. So when children shut down, it's a survival mechanism and everyone handles it differently. Some implode, some explode. So when there's crimes that teenagers commit or adults commit, if there's any molestation, most likely they were molested or abused themselves. So it's, you know, it's, they're not bad people. They're not well. So we need to help them get well. There's an amazing book about this called Ghosts in the Nursery, I think it's called. Um, that's all about that. And people should check it out. Um, I noticed that just my daughter crying um, would trigger me where I was, I guess I cried all the time when I was a baby. And I think, um, I don't want to get into a bunch of personal stuff, but that's why we're here. Yeah. But I, um, it's, it's interesting. I think that I, I think that a lot of my baby stuff, it came up when I had my own baby and, and, you know, I was colicky and I cried all the time and, and I, and I wanted to be attuned to my child and like be there and hold her and not let that happen. But all of this stuff kind of comes, can come flooding back when you're the adult. Well, and don't you think too, if you don't deal with it or access it or um, confront it in some way that even if you try with all your might to avoid doing that or being that, most people end up inadvertently doing that or being that. Um, it is so cyclical. But is that book, uh, The Drama of the Gifted Child? Yes. Yeah. Such a great book. Yeah. And and I, um, you know, I, it's hard because I, I'm sure our parents and our parents' parents, you know, it, it's it's such, I can, now that I have a child of my own, I can't even imagine the things that Magnolia is going to tell me that I did to her <laughs> when, mm-hmm. she, when she's older. And so, and, and then I think about, you know, what my mom must feel like and what her mom must have felt like, because that's the thing we're almost terrified of, isn't it? Like, what, what are we, what wrong will we bestow upon our children? Um, and we're just all kind of doing the best we can. So here's what you can do. Yes, please. When you've yelled at your child or done something that maybe was inappropriate or m- might've hurt your child. Put your arms around your child, no matter what age he or she is. Tell him, Mommy's so sorry. I didn't mean to that to do that. I love you so much, and will you forgive me? Mommy lost control. Wow. Yeah. And that way, it's going to happen. You're, we're human. We all do things sometimes. No one's perfect. And that teaches the child that when he or she makes a mistake, they can also say, I made a mistake. I love you. I'm sorry. And also, you know, just children are so forgiving. They'll say, it's okay, mommy, it's okay, and kind of pat you. So just always respect 
and apologize to your child. If you feel like you're going to lose it, take a time out. Take a time out. Take some breaths. Go in another room. Call somebody to come in and give you a break. So usually when we go off on our child, it's because we're exhausted and we don't have enough help or we just need a break. So it's very important to communicate that we made a mistake. I wonder... um, it's like such an idealistic question. Like, I wonder what the world would be like if if kids were, came into this world and were just kind of celebrated and allowed to flourish in their glory. Because I do think that, you know, we come in here with probably the ability to hypnotize ourselves, I mean, without even having to be taught. And somewhere along the way, that kind of gets squelched and squashed and to the point where we then become adults who live in fear, as Ellie and I talk about and all who, the time. And hypnotize ourselves with all the negative, 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 negative. Yeah. And when I did my session with you afterwards, we finished at seven o'clock. It had been a couple hours and I should have been even more tired. And I like danced out of her house. Like I was so pumped and invigorated and um, because of the release, because I let go and because I was hearing wonderful things coming out of Alicia's mouth that, that we had worked on together. But the idea that I hadn't taken anything and I hadn't fallen asleep for eight hours and I was able to feel like myself for the first time since I gave birth. It was the first moment where I was like, oh, yeah, I can, you know, yeah. that there was such a weight lifted off my shoulders. And that just shows the, the power of what we say to ourselves. Mm-hmm. When, when you mentioned about the age, again, talking to your baby in utero, for those of you who are pregnant now, communicate how loved, how wanted, how healthy, how happy parents are that they're coming. And from the day that they're born, they're hypnotizable. And, um, I was sharing, or maybe I didn't, um, I just did a session for my two-year-old grandson where my daughter said he's in a big boy bed now and he was getting up and not getting as much sleep and waking up a little grumpy. And so my daughter and son-in-law were challenged. Would you please do a session for Kingston? And it was so great to make a session for a two-year-old to record it. And um, he's now sleeping through the night and happy and not getting up and and want to hear Jima's voice. So he, she played it, my daughter played it throughout the whole night so we could keep hearing it. So you can do things like that for your own little ones, your, your voices, just calming voice and saying wonderful things. Like every little cell in your body is healthy and well. Every little cell is well. We love you, we love you, we love you. Just all those good things. That's hypnotizing them because when your child, before he or she falls asleep and they get this kind of look, that glazed look, which babies have a lot, it's kind of a hypnotic state. And that's when you can program in some really beautiful, positive, loving, wonderful suggestions. A mom brought her um, six month old, six week old baby to share with our class on Friday. How she had an all natural hypnobirth, and she brought the little baby and before class started. He just listened to me and listened, and I just kept saying, you're so loved, you're so wanted, you're so smart, you're so healthy. Anything and everything that's for your highest good you'll accomplish in your life. And he was just looking and looking because he was used to my voice in utero. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. we. Um, I did a, at six months, um, I worked uh, on a TV show that Ellie's husband created, um, 
And that's how Ellie and I met, thankfully. Um, it was kismet. And um, I, so, you know, the first six months of my pregnancy were really spent kind of trying to deny that I was pregnant because I was filming and on set and, um, you know, hiding it in flowy clothes. And then um, in January, I um, went and did a, a week long Kundalini prenatal course. And I felt, I was so embarrassed. And I wondered too about this as well, because I, for the first two days, I just bawled the entire time because it was all about connecting with the, you know, with your baby and we would sing to them. And, and I would try and hide my head when I was crying because I felt so silly. And then that stirred up a whole conversation of why do we feel so silly when we have overwhelming emotion about something that, you know, it's like you get embarrassed that you're soft or that your people are going to, you know, I don't know. It's, very bizarre, but also I, um, we would do the, uh, Ong Namo, Guru Deo Namo. And, um, I would, at night I would meditate before I went to bed and I would do it. And my, when I would do it, I would do more of my female high pitch voice. My husband started doing it with me. And so it was so beautiful. It was just like the pitch of our, his low manly voice and my high feminine voice. And, um, when Magnolia first arrived, there was like, in week two or three, she just would start to get really upset around kind of the witching hour after the sun going down. And one night we're sitting there and I just started to do the mantra and Michael started to do it with me and she just went silent. And we both, it was so, it was so beautiful because it was just this moment of realizing like she had heard that, that every time, every night when I was doing it, he would do it with me and that we were able to come together and give her that little slice of peace because she it was home to her. Um, so, you know, I think for people who, who maybe aren't as comfortable to do a mantra, um, maybe find a song that you love to sing or, um, you know, like you said, just talk to your baby, find what level, I mean, Ellie and I are always saying, find what level you are comfortable with and do that. It doesn't have to be some big, you know, if yoga isn't your thing or meditation isn't your thing, just start with something small. It could even be peace, peace. I took the the same training that you took uh, many moons ago. At Was the Gr- Kalsa way? Yes, yes, at Grimuk's home. And um, I cried every night driving home. And I really didn't sleep much, but crying because it is a release. Yeah. And so for those mamas and papas that are out there listening please let yourself cry and laugh tell the baby it's not about if the if the crying is coming up just say mommy is releasing it's healthier to release and feel your feelings than to implode them so what you did was actually really good for you and your baby because you were releasing them you weren't storing them inside yeah and so again our culture when we, we talk about emotions does not laugh a lot, does not cry a lot, does not take siestas in the afternoon. There's so many things that we need more festivities and rituals and fun. And whatever you're listening to now, like you were saying that the Ong Namo, that was really what your baby was loving and their spiritual words. Um, Om, the chant Om is the first sound of the universe. So a lot of you are used to Amen. And that's the same thing. You could say Amen, Amen, or Om, or Ah. 
a sound. That's and I think I could, I could be wrong about this, but with the ohm, that it actually it vibrates your vagus nerve and it, it changes your sympathetic nervous system. So, or it brings you back into parasympathetic nervous system. So it that vibration actually does relax us when we do it, and I it works wonders with Sabrina. Yeah. Or, or and I don't even do an ohm. I'll just go like. Uh, and yeah. people think I'm nuts downstairs with the monitor. The babysitter will be like, what the hell is she doing? But it really 100% works. The other thing that I've noticed too, and I told this to a couple of my mama friends who were really struggling in the first a couple of weeks after giving birth and oh, she's so upset or he's so upset and I can't get him to settle down. And I, I've noticed with Magnolia, this is just the truth every time. If we're sitting and she's really upset, I take my attention from her and I put it on my body and I notice where I'm tight, where my muscles are tight. And I, and I take a breath in through my nose and I release out of wherever that tension is held in my arms. Sometimes it's in my chest. Sometimes it's in my belly. And if I'm focusing on that, by the time I've walked myself through my body and released anywhere I'm feeling tight muscles, she's asleep. Great. That's the best she, thing I've ever heard. She's <laughs> feeling you relaxing yes. on your body. Yeah. And therefore she's doing the same on her body. Yeah. That was like, that was so great. Um, I wonder if I could mention something that I'm feeling very strong about is yes. The Happiest Baby on the Block, DVD oh. and book. Okay. It's really phenomenal. It's recreating what goes on in utero. Sound-wise, oh. the swaddling, the shushing, the swinging. So I'd yes. highly recommend The Happiest Baby, Baby on, on the Block. And the DVD is great because if you don't have time, because I had the book, but I never got around to reading the book, the DVD is like 10, it's not very long. And it was really great to watch it with my mother because she didn't know about swaddling and she thought, oh, well, that's like being, you know, you're restricting the child and that's not good. But when she watched the DVD with me, she was totally on board and she she was just kind of mesmerized by how well it works. Thank you for bringing well, that up. Well, the swaddling is what baby gives baby comfort because right now baby in utero is nice and tight and cozy. Yeah. When they come out, they're flailing and it's called the moral re reflex where they're afraid they're going to fall. So the swaddling is if they're fussy or napping or sleeping, it's not 24-7. It's just when, when they need it and they'll sleep longer. So moms and dads, you'll get longer rest and longer nap time with your little one or if they're fussy, swaddle them. And the shushing sounds, which is the sound baby hears in utero, and um, the swing, please get a swing. That's so great to put your baby in the swing because you can't hold baby and rock baby indefinitely. Your arms will get a little yeah. tired. So Happiest Baby on the Block by Harvey Karp, who is a pediatrician, and he calls the first three to four months the, the, the fourth trimester. Yeah. So I highly recommend that. And Alicia, when's, when are your next classes? So I have new classes, actually, for the, the end of this year, one next week, um, next Monday, November 10th in Beverly Hills, and next Thursday, November 13th, I believe, in Sherman Oaks. I just finished my Silver Lake class. So those are the last two for the this year. And then they'll start up in the new year on, I can't believe, January January 8th and January 13th, but you know, around those dates. So, And we can find them on your website? Yes. Okay, that's clearmindhypnotherapy.com? Yes. There's a calendar on there that will give you the dates. And what about for individuals who aren't in the LA area, you know, elsewhere in the United States or in the world for that matter, 
what do you think is uh, are there some good resources that you can recommend if somebody's yes. interested? Hypnobirthing is in more than 44 countries throughout the world wow. in the most remote places. So they can just go to hypnobirthing.com and find a practitioner in whatever country they're in, which is really exciting. And it's in different languages. And uh, it's kind of taken over what Lamaze was years ago. All the ho- Every hospital in L.A. for us endorses it. The Kaiser, Cedars, all the hospitals love hypnobirthing because we're hypnobirthing friendly. The home birth midwives love it and the birthing centers. So we're a team. We're not adversarial. The birth plan is called the birth preferences. So the the medical staff likes us because we work together. Well, and I will have to check out hypnobirthing for my next birth. That's not any moment too soon, but <laughs> but I didn't do it for my for my birth with Magnolia, and I um, certainly after today would be really interested in, in checking that out. I just want to share one other quote from your website. This is so beautiful. Um, is that is that everyone has a purpose in life that is uniquely their own, and I just thought that's such a beautiful sentiment to share with our listeners. Uh, whether it's your child or yourself or, or your family members, that we're all here, we're all enough. We all have something to do and to be here. And, and I think, you know, thank you so much for uh, just so eloquently helping us to understand what you do and, and what a remarkable form of therapy it is. Thank you. Um, you know, it's definitely, obviously, your purpose. <laughs> I feel grateful that I get to meet so many amazing parents, babies, people, children over the years. So I am in gratitude that I can make a a little bit of a difference with humanity as best I can. So thank you. Well, thank Thank you you. for that. And we um, we have little last orders of business. Um, We oh, mom session. We talk about something that we're obsessed with every week. And and my uh, mom session this time, I'm going to fumble as I'm trying to find it on my phone. Um, There's this amazing book that was gifted to Magnolia um, by my best friend from high school. And it's called the, watch, it's taking me eight hours to find on my phone. This is so embarrassing. Um, it's called The Secret Lives of Princesses. And so, you know, more for the girls. But listen, I think boys would like this book too, personally. Um, I'm not gonna, uh, I'm not gonna butcher these people's last names, but I um, maybe I will anyway. It's, uh, Oh, no, I'm not. Just The Secret Lives of of Princesses. And um, it's this gorgeous book about different princesses. And it's uh, you can find there's actually a quiz in the back where you can take it and find out what kind of princess you are. But they're the most gorgeous, amazing, unique princesses. There's no princess you've ever heard of before, but they have like the princess of... um, of thongs or flip flops, and it's. A, <laughs> I was about to say that's and yeah, <laughs> not thongs, flip flop. Um, <laughs> uh, um, but it's a Siamese twin, and they share their flip flop, and it's just. Mm. I thought that's so precious, and actually, my mom bomb, um, which you can find on our uh, Instagram account at Atomic Moms, um, is from the Princess book, and it is beneath the stones are flowers not yet born. And I just want everyone to remember that when you are going through tough times, and we certainly do as parents have our doubts, um, just remember that everything is going to be okay. There are flowers beneath the stones. 
So trust in your goodness, live out your greatness, and rock on, Atomic Moms. If you like listening to comedy, try watching it on the internet. The folks behind the Sideshow Network have launched a new YouTube channel called Wait For It. It's got interviews with comedians like Reggie Watts, Todd Glass, Liza Schleichinger, Schleichinger, I've been friends with her for 10 years, one of the funniest people out there, and I still have a hard time with the last name, Liza. Our very own Owen Benjamin, that's me, takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more. You don't have to wait any longer. Just go to youtube.com slash waitforitcomedy. There's no need to wait for it anymore because it's here and it's funny. And I love you. A few days ago, Brooke Tudine posted an inspirational quote on her wall that got 17 likes and three comments. Thumbs up, Brooke. Geico also wants to make a comment. In just 15 minutes, you could save hundreds of dollars on your car insurance by switching to Geico. And nothing says inspiration better than saving money. Well, except for those posters that say things like teamwork, excellence, and make it happen. Hashtag keep climbing. Hashtag savings. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance.